doing? Come on. Y'all have a good spring break? Yeah, 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 cool. I spent my spring break with 16 high school students down in Florida, so a lot of them are right here. Uh, so yeah, we got just a ton of sleep, you know? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We got no sleep. I am uh, running on caffeine, and we were just going crazy, staying up till 1 a.m. doing crazy things, you know what I mean? Uh, but man, if, if we haven't met, my name is Sean, and I'm the student pastor here. I have the honor of leading these awesome students uh, at this church, and I have the honor of preaching the Sunday after Easter, after we as a church got to see God do some insane things in the life of our church, just like Ryan just referenced. Man, we saw baptism. We saw life change. Uh, we saw people go from death into life, from hopelessness to finding hope, from um, man, feeling like they're running on fumes to finding uh, life and energy in Jesus. And man, it's, it was such an incredible week going back through night church. Can I can I get a night church? If you were here, you know I love to say night church has become my favorite phrase of all time, probably. So I had to sneak a, get a way to sneak it into the message today. But night church was amazing as we went through the seven I am statements of Jesus every single night. And like Ryan referenced, man, Wednesday night, uh, selfishly, was my favorite night of the week because I got to see some awesome students preach. And uh, it wasn't just for students, right? It was for adults. And we saw people give their lives to Jesus and adults in other states may have their lives changed by the gifts that these awesome students um, have. And that's what I have the honor of doing, is getting to lead students who are going to change the world now, not just later. And we believe in our now gen uh, so much, not just kids. Can we just give it up for our now gen real quick? Come on. But man, Night Church was incredible. Easter was incredible. Palm Fun Day was incredible. We had uh, a week full of different gatherings, full of different meetings, and we met day by day, and there's a purpose behind that. See, over the, over the seven days, like I said, we went through the seven I am statements of Jesus, and these are seven different times that Jesus proclaims who he is, how he is God, that he is the bread of life, he is the light, uh, he is the light of the world, he is the door, he is the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd, and the resurrection and the life, right? These are all statements that of who Jesus is. And I loved last week because I really feel like as a church, we got to rediscover who the real Jesus is. You know what I'm saying? We got to re rediscover, hey, who is Jesus and what does it mean for me? What, what does this life mean for me? We read through this passage of scripture every single day of night church from the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2 uh, is, is, is where we'll be going in just a second. But before I do, the reason that we, we have been reading this is because we believe that something crazy happened in the early church that we want to see multiply here at Stone Creek. Right? We, we, we saw uh, that we've been in this series called Devoted, and we've been looking at the different things that the early church was devoted to and how we saw multiplication come off of that. And so what if maybe we as a church would become, become devoted to certain things, we begin to see our world and our city turn upside down. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to see Milton, Georgia turn upside down and Canton, Georgia turn upside down and Cambridge High School and Creekview High School and all the schools and workplaces and families turn upside down in the name of Jesus. But the way that we see that happening isn't just by sitting here. Right? God is calling us to rediscover some things in our lives, to take some things off of the back burner of our lives and bring them back to the front and not only see them, but become devoted to them. 
And over this series, we've been diving into different things that we need to become devoted to as a church and as, some, as people who love and follow Jesus. And so today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be devoted to fellowship. Devoted to fellowship. And uh, where we get this is from Acts 2. And so I, I want us to read the scripture. If you were here at night church or at Easter, we read the scripture out loud together. And I would love for us to continue to do that because I think we all need to read it and re-say it to ourselves over and over again so we know the church that we need to become. And so Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This morning, we're going to ask ourselves the question, how do we become devoted to fellowship? I'm just going to get straight in. There's this, there's this concept of fellowship that we need to discover. And when we hear this word fellowship, uh, maybe you have no idea what it means. Or maybe for you, that word fellowship is like, that's a weird word. Because I grew up in church, and I think of fellowship halls with cakewalks, right? Maybe that's you. Or you think of the fellowship of the, the ring. Maybe you're a Lord of the Rings fan. I don't know. Or uh, you, think, you think of fellowship Christian school. I don't know. Like you think of this, well, this word fellowship. I don't know what that means for my life. Well, can I tell you that fellowship is one of the greatest things you could ever discover. Fellowship is one of the greatest things that we as believers we can step into and become devoted to because in our devotion to fellowship we will become more devoted to Jesus. And that's the whole goal of why we do this. But if we can be honest, over the past year we've been alone. And if, you, if we can be honest, uh, we've been, a lot of us have been stuck in isolation. We've been stuck in loneliness. And if we could be real, maybe it's, it's made us lose some purpose. I don't know about y'all, I'm real extroverted. I'm real need to be around people. And so the day after day after day, sitting in my house by myself, I was like, what the heck is my life? What am I doing, right? And I don't know about you guys where you've been at, but I think all of us in some capacity this year, it's become very alive and relevant that we have a need to be with people. We were created and wired to do life with people and because of this past year or because of insecurity or because of comfort or because of pride, maybe we're still stuck doing life alone. And I can tell you right now that God's got something better for you. And this morning, I hope that as we dive through some scripture, you can see that, hey, fellowship is available to you. I mean, the devotion to fellowship is available for you. And all you have to do is pull up a chair to the table. And before we dive any further, I just want to kind of give you a quick overview of what fellowship is. Quick uh, Sean definition of what fellowship is. Uh, see, fellowship is Jesus-centered friendship that will grow you, encourage you, and will make you look more like Jesus. Fellowship is Jesus-centered friendship. It's going to grow you, it's going to encourage you, and it's going to make you look more like Jesus. 
Because if we can be honest, we know that we become like the people who are around us most, right? Like you start to look like them. You start to talk like them. You start to like the things they like. You start to say sayings that they say. Being around students, I say things I don't even know what they mean, to be honest, right? <laughs> you see, we, we, we become like the people who we're around. Like my mom, for example, she's like kind of Southern, kind of not. I don't really know for sure. And uh, she get, when she gets a call from somebody who's Southern, all of a sudden she has a Southern accent. But then when she gets a call from somebody who doesn't have a Southern accent, all of a sudden it's gone, right? Like my mom, it's because like the more she's around Southern people, she becomes more Southern all of a sudden. I don't do that, but she does. And so, but it shows me, hey, the more that we're around people, we become more like them. And so we need to be intentional about the people we're around, right? We need to be intentional about the people we're doing the intimate life with, the people that we're diving into with vulnerability, that we're praying with, that we're reading scripture with, that we're talking about life with, that we're talking about our marriage with, and, and our parents with, and school with, and our job with. Like we have to be intentional about who we're allowing to have voices into our life. Because we, we need people who believe in the same hope. Well, we need people who love the same Jesus that we love because, I mean, if you're desiring truth from a friend, don't you want them to know who the truth is? If you're desiring hope in a time where you feel hopeless, don't you want them to know a hope that never ends in Jesus? If you're desiring somebody to give you joy, don't you want a joy that's eternal, not temporary, and them just to push you back towards Jesus? I mean, people are great, but that, that don't know Jesus, like, that's okay. Have them in your lives. But the people that are closest to you should be people who have the loudest voices, and they should love Jesus. Like, does it sound like the friendships that you're in? This morning, I want for us to ask ourselves, like, does it, do we have friends who will pray with us? I mean, do we have friends who will sit down and read scripture with us? Do we have friends who will challenge us when we need challenging, even when it's uncomfortable? I mean, do we have friends who are going to encourage us like we've never been encouraged before? Do we have friends who are always going to make us fall more in love with Jesus? Is this what your friendships look like? Is this what your fellowship looks like? So I believe that this morning Jesus is calling us to rediscover what it means to be devoted to fellowship. Because the early church, they didn't just have fellowship, right? They were devoted to fellowship. Very clear in Acts, it says they were devoted to fellowship. And so what is the difference between being in fellowship and being devoted to fellowship? That's what I kind of want to unpack a little bit with today. But I want to ask you the question, like, do you think that you're in fellowship or are you devoted to fellowship? Because you can be in something but not be devoted to it, right? Like, I remember growing up, I, I played baseball, and I love watching baseball, not great at playing baseball, okay? Played baseball, and when we went from coach pitch to kids pitch, they would throw the ball, and it would hit me all the time, and I was like, this is terrible. I, I'm in baseball, but am I devoted to baseball? No, I want out, right? Like, it was there. I had to show up. Like, I knew that I had these weekly games, and I was like, oh, dang it, I have to go to this game and do this thing. I was in baseball. I wasn't devoted to baseball, and isn't that how we treat friendship sometimes? Hey, we're in it. Like, we know we need to show up, and, but are we devoted to it? I mean, is it, is it important for, uh, for enough for us to reorganize our schedule and to sacrifice some things and to change the way that our weeks look for us to fight for devotion among other people who love Jesus? Like, does your, in your life right now, do we look, do we sacrifice and look for uh, fellowship enough to, to devote ourselves to it, or are we just in it? Um, the, the early church, they devoted themselves to it. And they fought for it. And being in fellowship, man, it's hard. 
It takes time. It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes leaving things behind and, and reorganizing relationships with people you've been close to for years to allow new people who are going to speak more life into your life in. It, it takes sacrifice, and it's really difficult, but the early church did it because they knew how worth it it was. Like I tell you, devotion to fellowship is one of the greatest things that you can do to reorganize your life and begin to fall more in love with Jesus. So they fought for fellowship over fighting for their reputation. They, they, they fought for fellowship over fighting for time alone. They fought for fellowship over fighting for that promotion. They fought for fellowship over fighting for, uh, fighting for more purpose because they knew that in fellowship, in their devotion to fellowship, Jesus would move in ways they've never seen him move before. There's this instant connection between fellowship and the devotion to fellowship and our devotion to Jesus. But many of us, we like to make excuses when it comes to fellowship, don't we? Oh, dang it. No, I'm too busy. Yeah, this week's just crazy. Now you don't understand, like, work and it's just wild right now. This season, uh, next season, it's going to be awesome. Like, maybe in a couple months, I'll be free, and it's going to be great. But right now, I just can't. I'm just grinding. I can't do it. Oh, uh, no, my family, it's crazy. I got a lot of little kids. I can't, I can't make time. I can't figure it out. Sorry. Oh, no, I, sorry. I'm, I just I can't do it. I'm out. I, I can't. I'm not ready right now. Uh, I've not been invited in. Like, no one's invited me into this. I don't know anybody yet. I'm new to the area. I, I just can't. We make these excuses. It's kind of like we're, we're, we're stuck at the kids' table, right? Y'all remember the kids' table when you're eating meals? I remember being at, when I was stuck at the kids' table, I would look up at that table, and like, maybe this isn't how it actually was. It's how I remember it. There was like this massive table with just all of this delicious food and laughter and joy and life. And then I was sitting at the kids' table like, what the heck? Where am I? There's this like little rinketing chair that's kind of falling apart, and you're like, Feed me. Somebody give me food, you know? And we're stuck at the kid's table waiting and be like, dang it, I wish I was at the adult. And, you know, you'd like try to sneak into the adult table and they're like, not nah, back to the kid's table. Dang it. And you walk back. You know, it's, it's kind of how we treat friendship, though. It's kind of how we treat fellowship. Many of us, were still stuck at the kid's table. And we look at the life and, uh, that we desire, the friendships that, like, we desire. We're like, oh, my gosh, my friend, like, that person that I know that I go to church with, they have these friends, and they love Jesus, and their life is so much, joy, so much more joy-filled than mine is. Like, how do I, I want that. I desire that. I mean, they're, they're, uh, there's, like, eating love and joy and community, and I'm, you know, I'm just here. Like, someone invite me in. Can I tell you today that you're invited? You're invited into devotion with other believers. And maybe right now you feel alone and you feel like you don't have friends. They're here. Because I can tell you right now, you're not the only person in the room. You're not the only person in the room who feels like stuck and feels alone and feels like they don't have friends who know Jesus and feels like they're the only believer in their friend group, in their family. You're not the only one. And I can tell you there's people in this church who want to do it with you. And I mean, we would love to help you do that. If that's you, for real, if you need fellowship, we want to talk to you. Don't leave here alone. Stop by the Connect desk. Stop by the I Raise My Hand booth. And let's get you plugged into relationship because there's people here who are excited to do life with you. Don't stay stuck at the kids' table anymore. It's time to stand up and pull up your chair to the real table because God has it for you. So maybe this past week you came to night church or you came to Easter and you felt something different, right? You're like, Oh, shoot, like, 
I don't know what it is, but I'm amped. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. Like, let's go. Let's do this. And maybe for you, it was the first time walking back into a church in over a year. And I can tell you that that, that bolt of energy, that, that sense of purpose that you felt wasn't just by changing locations from your couch to the church, but it's because you walked into something known as fellowship. You walked into life change with a body of believers doing life together. And that, I love online church, but sitting at home by yourself and just watching church and then going on about your day, that's not, that's not going to grow you. That's not devotion to fellowship. But in the same way, man, coming here week after week after week after week after week and sitting alone, like it's not this devotion to fellowship um, because we have places you can get plugged in and we want to do that with you today. Don't let it be another week that you walk out alone. I'm telling you, there is fellowship available for you. So what does the devotion to fellowship look like? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning is talking about what does devotion to fellowship looks like. And in Acts 2, we read that they were devoted to fellowship. And it's this, this word called koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Yeah, it's this Greek word for fellowship. Y'all are learning today. Greek, right? It's awesome. So koinonia uh, um, is, this, is this Greek word for devotion to fellowship. And it's the first time it's used is in Acts 2. The scripture that we just read together is the first time that this word is referenced, but it's not the last. See, from that point on to the rest of the New Testament, this word koinonia is used 20 more times. 20. Like, that's a lot. And if, you, if you're new to the Bible, if you see something used over and over and over and over again, that's God saying, hey, pay attention to this. Hey, look at this. Learn from this and let it shape the way that you live. And so I thought, hey, the best way that we can unpack what devotion to fellowship is, is by looking at a few more examples of where this word koinonia pops up throughout Scripture. The first one comes uh, in, this, in this passage in the book of Philippians, Philippians 1 through 2. Paul writes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship, that's the koinonia, with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So the first part about being devoted to fellowship that you need to know is you need to surround yourself with people who are, who have, who are of the same mind and the same purpose, who are united in mind and who are, are united in purpose. Because, man, we, we need people who know our God in our lives. We need people who are in our inner circle who are going to point us back to Jesus in every single circumstance of our life. I think about it like a lunch table, right? You remember the lunch table you went to in elementary school? or in middle school or in high school, and you had your crew that you, that you ate together, that you did life with together, that every day you're like, oh, no, I know, that's my seat. I'm going to go sit there. And you had like, you maybe knew the whole table of people, right? Like this is the, this is the people, table of people that I sit with every lunch people for 180 days. This is my crew. And that's, that's, that's awesome, right? Like that's kind of like our circle of friends, our circle of influence. Maybe it's people you work with. Maybe it's people you've been friends with for years. But then there's a, there's a different relationship at that lunch table with the people that sat right next to you and right across from you, right? Like those are, those are, your, those are your dudes, those are your girls, the people that you sat with and you talked about life with and you talked about how, how much you hated that one teacher with and you talked about how homework was terrible with and you talked about what you're going to do at recess with and you talked about life at home with and the show you loved with. Like you had those people that were right next to you and that was kind of like your inner circle. 
And in our lives today, like this analogy can still be used because we have people we do life with, but some people are in that inner circle that don't need to be there. Some people are in that inner circle that need to move down a few seats, still be in our lives, still like spend time with them, do life with them, hang out with them, love on them, but they don't need to be the people who have voices in our lives and shape the way that our heart is formed and our soul is formed and our, and our vision is formed and our families are formed. Like, don't you know that the people who are speaking those voices into your life need to be people who understand the hope and the life that comes in your Jesus? It has to be those people, and so we need to surround ourselves. Our inner circle needs to be people who love Jesus, who are devoted to Jesus. And so maybe today, it's time to reshift your inner circle. It's time to move some people back, move some people up, and refigure how you do life with people. See, fellowship looks like three things. It looks like regular communication. It looks like regular meals. It looks like recreational time together, all centered around a common foundation of devotion to Jesus. And the second, th- the second place that I want to look at this, this word koinonia is, is in 1 John 1, 6 through 7. It says that if we say that we have fellowship, this koinonia with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, this koinonia, with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you catch that? See, like we learned last week, Jesus says, he literally says to us, I am the light of the world. The real Jesus for you, for me, is the light of the world. And so when we walk with him and in him, we are walking in light. And before we could even think about devotion to other people, devotion with one another, we have to know devotion with Jesus. If you're not spending daily time with Jesus, praying, and just in discovering that relationship that he so desperately wants with you and reading to understand who your Jesus is, who your God is, who your Savior is in the Bible and going out and telling people about your testimony and what God's done through your life. And if these aren't things that are common practices in your life, the first thing that we have to work on this morning is rediscovering what our devotion to Jesus looks like. Because our devotion with one another spurs from and overflows from the devotion that we have with Jesus. See, when we spend time with Jesus, we want to live in the overflow. He fills our cup, but the overflow is the devotion that we have with one another. We need to recapture our devotion to Jesus and allow it to spur on the devotion we have with one another. And so once, and once we do that, we can begin to discover what devotion to fellowship with one another looks like. We can begin to answer the question, hey, how do I become devoted in fellowship? See, fellow, fellowship and friendship aren't the same thing. See, everyone has friends, um, but not all of us have fellowship. We all have these people we do life with, but maybe we're not walking in fellowship. See, f- see fellowship is a, such a deeper, uh, a deeper friendship. See, f- friendship is based on common likes and dislikes, but fellowship is based on a common identity. Friendship's based on common likes and dislikes, but fellowship's based on a common identity. See, if, if you love sports, I love sports, or maybe for you it's something else, but I'm going to use sports. Uh, and you find somebody who loves your same sports team, you instantly connect, right? You're like, 
Ooh, best friend, there you are. I know nothing about your life. You could be a serial killer. I have no idea, but I love you because you love the Yankees. That's how I feel, right? And there's people out there, like if you know me at all, you know I'm a Yankees and a Giants fan. And anytime I see somebody who's a Yankees fan, I'm like, they're instantly my best friend. I want to spend life with them, do life with them, and watch every single game of the season with them, right? I love, I love people instantly, I instantly have this connection with people who have, love, have the same like of the Yankees as I do and the same dislike of the Red Sox and the Cowboys as I do, right? Like I instantly bond with them. Everybody can say amen right there. I instantly bond with them. But isn't there something so much different when you come across somebody and find out they love Jesus? Isn't there this connection that's so different? Like maybe for you, it's, you were, you've, if you've ever been on a mission trip before and you're in another country and you, instantly, you find out that somebody uh, like loves Jesus who's in that country, you're like, oh my gosh. Like I feel like, I, like I'm so excited because I feel like I just found a brother or a sister in Christ. I know I don't even speak the same language, but there's instantly a bond there because we have the same hope. Like, or maybe for you, you're in a business place and you feel like you're all alone, but then you, you find out, you discover that your coworker is also a believer and all of a sudden it's like a light has hit because there's a, somebody else who understands where you get your life from. There's this difference between a friendship and common likes and dislikes and a hope or in a, in a fellowship in a common identity. I have a friend named Chris and Chris and I actually met, I uh, preached uh, uh, back in December, and I talked about the Yankees. I was like, hey, if anyone's a Giants or a Yankees fan, let me know, because I'm tired of watching games alone. Still kind of am. But, you know, he, and he hit me up, and he's like, hey, dude, I'm a huge Giants fan. I was like, no way. This dude's the biggest Giants fan I've ever met in my entire life. He is awesome. And we instantly had this connection because we loved the Giants. But, man, when it, be, when it turned deeper from a friendship to a fellowship and a brotherhood is when we began praying together. When I found out that he loved Jesus and he asked me, hey, can you pray for my friends to come to church with me? Absolutely I can. Hey, hey, can you read, can we read scripture together? Hey, can you, let's send each other worship songs that we love throughout the week and let's inspire and encourage one another. Hey, like, let's, let's challenge each other and let's encourage each other. And all of a sudden, this friendship from common likes and dislikes turned to fellowship because we had a common identity in Jesus. And now, like, on Sundays, I get to serve with this dude. He's actually running camera right now in the back. Chris, you, you over there? You over there? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> he's awesome he's awesome dude and um but man it's, it's this friendship turned to fellowship because we realized this common identity with each other see fellowship doesn't just happen overnight though and that's what's tough about it it's easy to give up on it all right we might meet another believer and we're like oh we're just not clicking yet oh we're just not there yet oh, I don't know, like maybe I just need to back out and wait until I find that one person who will be like really close with me. Like Chris and I are great friends now, but we're still not, not at this point. I, I have other brothers in Christ yet yeah, just because, solely because of time. And it, sometimes fellowship takes time. But that's why it's so important to get started. That's why it's so important for you to go find those other dudes, those other ladies that you can get plugged in with, meet for coffee, do life with, talk real life with, pray with, read scripture with, tell people about Jesus with. You're not alone. You might think you are, but you're not. And fellowship is available to you. And can I tell you that in the hardest seasons of your life, if you would just be devoted to fellowship, it would change everything. Back in 2018, I went through one of the hardest seasons I've ever had to walk through. 
uh, I was dating this girl, and we were dating for three years, and uh, we were really close to engagement, thought she was going to be it, thought we were going to get married, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it ended. And it was one of the hardest things I've had to walk through. And, but in my season of healing, as hard as it was, like, I'm so grateful for it because it spurred upon this, this, this fellowship that I had never experienced. Because I had these dudes in my life who were so devoted to fellowship that it changed the way that I healed. I mean, it changed the way I saw Jesus. It changed the way I understood hope. In the most hopeless moments of that season, I knew hope because these guys reminded me. But there was a difference between being in fellowship and being devoted to fellowship in that moment. And I learned that in this season. See, I had been in fellowship in the past. I had people text me or call me and say, hey, I'm praying for you. That's great. That's fellowship. But being devoted to fellowship was what my friend Thomas did. When he came and sat in a room with me for hours and cried and laid his hands on me and prayed for me to have healing and to find my wife one day and all of these things, like it was this different, it was something I've never experienced because it was devotion to fellowship. In the past, I'd experienced fellowship of like, you know, coming to church and finding some joy and just being here and watching worship and hearing a message. But there was this difference, and my friend Caden came alongside of me and, and, and intentionally, continually asked me, hey, how's your joy? And consistently reminded me of the places that I could refind it in the hope of Jesus. There was a difference in that moment between being in fellowship and being devoted to fellowship. Now, in the, in the past, like, I, I had had, the enemy had attacked certain insecurities inside me, and I'd go to a group, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm running on empty because I just keep getting attacked, and I feel like all these bad thoughts and anxieties are resurfacing, and I don't know what to do about it. I was in fellowship, but there was a difference when my friend Jeremy came alongside of me and knew me so well and so intimately that he was able to say, hey, dude, I just want you to know, like, this insecurity the enemy's coming for it. Like this, this anxiety, he's coming for it. And so I'm going to stand by and stand guard and let you know, wait, when I, when I feel like he's coming, we're just going to pray. There's a difference between being in fellowship and being devoted to fellowship. And that difference is life-changing. See, I don't know if you know this, but Satan's really good at his job. Like, yes, he's been defeated and Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he has no power in eternity, but I mean, sometimes we allow him to have some power here. And you have blind spots, each of you. I do. And he's really good at finding them and triggering them and targeting them until you feel like you're not enough, until you feel like you're nothing, until you feel like you're useless, or you're too far gone. But can I tell you that there are people who, who God is calling to be in your life, to be devoted to fellowship with you, to stand around you, and to be like soldiers who will watch out as the enemy tries to attack and help defend you as you pursue Jesus. See, I want for you to know, like, and now every time Thomas needs prayer, I'm there to pray for him. Every time Caden needs joy, I'm there to remind him of his joy. Every time Jeremy needs a brother, I do whatever it takes because they were devoted to fellowship with me. It's a two-way street. And it can start today for you. Like I said, maybe, maybe for you, you haven't ever experienced that. But there's a reason that we do it. In Scripture, Jesus always sent his disciples out in groups of two. 
And I've always wondered, hey, why, why, do, why groups of two? Like, why not, why not more? Why not less? I don't know. Why, why groups of two? I think it's because he knew that there's something special about two brothers or two sisters doing life together in Jesus, going and praying for people and healing people and reading the word together. There's, there's something special about two people doing life to Jesus with a common hope in him. I want you to, today you don't have to walk out alone. Jesus is calling you to be sent out with other people to be devoted to fellowship alongside See, friendships like what I have, I'm lucky enough to have with Thomas and with Chris and, and Jeremy and with Kate. And I want you to know all of those started in this church. All of those started with me just going and be like, you know what, I'm tired of being alone. I'm, I'm going to seek this person out and we're going to grab lunch. And then oh, we're going we're gonna to take our common interest and turn it to a common identity. And things are going to change. It's available to you today. And so I'm serious. I don't want, please don't walk out of here alone. Please don't let loneliness be a thing that you do at battle anymore. Today we want to get you plugged into fellowship. And so stop by the I Raise My Hand booth. It might be weird, but I'm telling you it's worth it. Stop by the Connect desk. It might be uncomfortable, but I'm telling you your comfort's worth the life that comes in devotion to fellowship. And we have people who will go get coffee with you, who will have meals with you. We can get you plugged into groups. There are people in this room who need to do life with you just as much as you need to do life with them. Devotion to fellowship is available for you today. And let me tell you, firsthand, devotion to fellowship leads to life with greater joy, stronger people to fight with, and a greater purpose to walk in. Church, it's time to get devoted. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for what you did for us on the cross. I'm grateful that you loved us enough to come and to die for us. I'm grateful for the example that you gave us through your disciples, for the way that you do life, for the way that you pour into them, for the meals you had with them, for the laughter you shared, for the tears you shed. Lord, I'm grateful that you demonstrate us the importance of not doing life alone, but being devoted to fellowship. Jesus, I pray that there would not be a person in this room that walks out of here feeling like they're alone today. Lord, would you give them the courage to, pull, to step out of the kids' table and pull their seat up and know they have a place. And Jesus, we just love you. And maybe for you today, you have never started a devotion to fellowship with Jesus. Like I said, the only way to get devotion to fellowship with others is by first having this devotion to fellowship with Jesus. And maybe that's the first step for you today. And for maybe for the first time, you need to give your life to Jesus and say, hey, I'm ready to be devoted to fellowship with you. If that's you, would you pray this with me? Jesus, I believe in you. But I'm ready to give my life to you. I'm ready to be devoted to fellowship with you. But I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And that you want to do life with me. And I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you, I, want, I would love for just to give you a moment to celebrate and to rejoice with the angels in heaven as they're rejoicing right now over you saying that prayer. And I'd love for you just to raise your hand in declaration that you are beginning a life-changing journey of following Jesus on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. Amen. Jesus, we love you. I'm so grateful for you. Lord, help us be devoted to fellowship this week. 
Help us get out of our comfort zone, reorganize our circles, and follow you with our lives. We love you.